the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to SoCal Live for a brand new week together. It is Monday, May 9th. Good to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow. I am your host. And according to Google, all of my passwords have been exposed in a data leak. You get that mem- memo? I get this memo. Every time I open up my computer, I get this memo that says all my passwords have been exposed in a data leak. Do you get it? Uh, and it tells me, it literally says, there are your password has been exposed on 756 different websites. Would you like to change them all now? I don't have time for that. I'm sick of passwords. You know what? I don't care. Take my password. I'm kind of in this place right now. Is that how you feel about it? In fact, I'm just using, I'm just going to start using the word password and add the number of passwords I've had to change. So my new password is password 756. And all you got to do is figure out if I'm still on 756 or tomorrow, it might be password 757. And sometimes they make you put an exclamation point or an ampersand or something on there. And then you can't remember. Did I put two two exclamation points? I've run out of passwords. I'm tired. I had a scheme. I had a scheme for all of my internet passwords. And now sometimes they're like, well, you can't use that password because you used it 10 years ago and somebody still might be out there. You know what? Let them have it. I don't care. Anyway, good to be with you on this Monday. That's kind of a Monday thing to talk about, I guess. Um, but we're going to talk about hope today. You know, as we you go through the weekend and there's all these different stories and, uh, you know, some of them are, are kind of scary and dark and maybe there's not a lot of hope out there. That's, you know, our show is here to give you hope. All right. Our, our show is to keep hope alive from three to five every single day right here. Uh, and uh, really glad to be with you. Today on the show, we will talk about some weekend news, Mother's Day, some things that happened this weekend, and we'll take your calls. You can give us a call at any time to join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. That is the number. You can also email the show. Email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, so I've got my coffee. I've had a lot of it today. Somebody else has pointed this out to me, so I will try to slow it down and just keep it, you know, a little little on the, uh, you know, just want to make sure we get the words out and be able, be able to do it. And it reminds me, maybe this is a question for you for uh, this morning, how, this afternoon, see, morning, I'm just, I'm still stuck in the morning. I don't even know what time it is. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you do? to be less busy? How do you stay hopeful in the busyness of the culture today? Do you find yourself just so busy all the time? I sure do. And I have a lot going on right now, so I've got really good excuses, right? I'm, I'm changing jobs. I'm moving. There's a whole lot of different things happening. But I, you know, I always find myself kind of too busy. Something that was real convicting for me a while ago was somebody pointed out to me, and I was thinking to myself, how do some of these people get so much done and somebody pointed out, do you know how much time they have in a day? They have 24 hours in a day. And I thought every human being who's ever existed has had 24 hours uh, to get things done. There are ways to do it. Do you have any pointers, any things that you do to say, hey, you know what? I'm too busy. I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to say no to this. How do you do that? I think that's important 
in order to keep ourselves healthy, in order to keep ourselves moving. And what you find out is that probably whatever is so urgent, it may not be that urgent if you take some time to think about it and you take some time to pray about it. You know, how do you decide? What is it that I need to just give to the Lord and what is it that I need to get done right now? 888-528-2557 if you have some insight on that question. And I've I've got an analogy I'll give you here in a a few minutes of something that happened this weekend that I just thought was fantastic. It made the weekend. It, It was Mother's Day weekend. Did you have a good Mother's Day? I know it's a hard day for many of you. And uh, for some of us, it's a uh, you know, pretty good day if you can spend it with your mom, if she's available to talk, if you can spend it with her. We, our Mother's Day plans, we ended up staying home because my youngest John was sick. And, uh, you know, it hasn't even occurred to us to give him a COVID test. I suppose we could do that, but he's all, you know, stuffed up and he's got something going on. And uh, so mom stayed home with him. I, uh, I went to church in the morning. Uh, with my older son, 13, who's working with the kids department. So he had to volunteer. And I don't know if you realize this, or if I really even talked about this, but because I am going to be the permanent host of this program, I am uh, moving and I have to leave the church where I've been pastor at for 18 years. So I'm in the process of doing that. And they brought on a new interim pastor this weekend. And I'm there and I'm kind of helping things out. And then I realize, you know, it's one of those things where I probably just need to not be around. See, what I'm afraid of is that when you are the former pastor or the former boss, wherever you are, you've been there for a long time, you know, people look at you and they'll say, you know, what do you think of the new guy? What do you think? Well, I like this guy. I like, you know, I think he's going to do a great job. He's a transitional pastor. But, you know, I start to think about stuff and imagine that they, he says something or they announce him and people look to me to see what's on my face, you know, see if I have any response. And what I'm doing is, is, wondering about some error in the Dodger game yesterday and why they threw the ball there. And maybe I have a frown on my face because I'm thinking about something and people are like, well, Scott doesn't like this very much. So I was just out of there. So what I did was my son, my wife is home. My other son is homesick. My older son is working with the kids. So I went down, checked out what's going on with the kids, which I never get to do as pastor really. And I watched church from my office, like some of you at the church. It was kind of funny. And I got to analyze, oh, this is what happens online. Like, oh, they need to fix that. They should fix this. So I'm leaving some memos. Anyway, so it's Mother's Day. We didn't get to go out like was the plan. So we, my wife loves sushi. I do not. The boys do not. So it is a treat. And I like this because I can give my wife sushi and it's a, it's a treat. And it works for both of us. I like Japanese food. I like it when they cook it. You know, anything teriyaki on it that's cooked, very good, love it. And I like tempura and all of that. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to make something for the boys and I'm going to order through uh, one of those delivery services. There's a bunch of them, right, that deliver your food now. It costs twice as much to do it by the time you add on the delivery fee. I mean, if you thought your your burrito was expensive now, you know, wait till you get a, a carne asada burrito and it's like $29 out the door. That's what you get. But, you know, that's what we learned to do in the... Uh, the the interim here of the COVID. So I do DoorDash or Grub, whatever. There's there's one that's about the Grub, and there's one where I think they bring you postage stamps or something. That's what they do, where they pick up your mail along when they drop off your food. I think that's what they do. I'm not sure. I got it pretty fast. I was surprised, actually, at how fast uh, that sushi was made, boxed up, and my teriyaki chicken, and it was good. So Christy and I had a very good Mother's Day lunch, and the breakfast burritos I made for my kids, they they enjoyed that. Speaking of fast... I also had a, a uh, another one of those, the same people who drive, you know, for the food people are often your Uber and Lyft drivers. Do you do this, the Uber and Lyft? Remember when you weren't supposed to get in the car of a stranger and now you call a stranger to come to your house and you get in their car? 
so I I did this on Saturday, and I dropped my car off to uh, have some work done, and they get a they get one of these for you on deliberately. And I was late to a meeting. It took forever to get my car in the shop, and I was really late to a meeting. It's an important meeting, and I couldn't do it during the week. And people are are you know I begged them to do it on Saturday, and I'm figuring oh now I'm going to be late. How rude is that? So I get in this guy's car. Every experience I've ever had with one of these services has been good. Um, you sort of, you know, normal. And this guy takes off. He takes off so fast. I don't have my seatbelt on, not at all. And I couldn't get it on because it has, he has one of those seat covers. And if you take these rides, you know, you, at the end of the ride, you can rate the car, the cleanliness of the car, the type of driver conversation, you know, whatever it is. And he's driving and he's moving in and out of traffic and doing all the stuff. And I, <laughs> I couldn't get my seatbelt on. Because it's underneath the seat cover. So a lot of these drivers will have seat covers that they can throw in the washer afterward, which I appreciate. And uh, I couldn't do it. I felt like one of those people who, you know, you're in the, you're at Costco or somewhere and you finally get a parking space. You turn your blinker on and you're frowning at the guy on the other side. Don't you take my spot. And then you're waiting for this person to pull out and it takes them forever. I've come to the determination that if it takes you longer than 30 seconds to put your seatbelt on, your license should be revoked. That's what I think. And I was one of those people. I couldn't even do it. So I finally get it on. And now I pull out my phone because I need to tell these people I'm going to be late. It was kind of a, a long ride, you know, about 15 miles that I had to go. And I'm going to be late. And then I notice this guy's doing 90. Like I can see it on his dashboard, 90. <laughs> and uh, I've not had that experience. And then I realized, I did the math and I realized, you know what? I don't know if I should be upset about this or not. Because on the one hand, my, uh, my driver's doing 90. And on the other hand, I will make my meeting on time, though. And I decided, you know what? Uh, I'm either going to be on time or dead. And uh, I got to be on time. And I made it. Do you ever have, should I call it in? Is that a bad thing? I guess it's a bad thing for your, uh, I, I'm trying not to say Uber or Lyft because I don't want to tell you which one it is because I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here. But, you know, one of those guys, he probably drives for both. And he probably also is the same guy who delivered my sushi. Anyway, so he goes really, really, really fast. And uh, I've always thought about that. I think I would like to be one of these drivers. Would you, do you do this? I've thought to myself, you know, I want to turn around and say, hey, put your seatbelt on. I want to try something. I saw it in an Avengers movie, but I think I can do it in real life. Speaking of speed, and here's the point of all this. Did you watch the Kentucky Derby? I don't know how many people really pay attention, but it's kind of a big deal uh, in the sports world, if you're into horse racing especially. But it's something that a lot of people watch. It's They call it the best two minutes in sports. Uh, I would not agree with that, really. But um, some of the best things in sports ever is sudden death overtime in NHL hockey. I mean, that's amazing uh, in sports. So, anyway, the race last year, the, uh, the rider got disqualified, and there's all kinds of controversy. And it was weird the last couple of years because of the COVID and what do you do. They didn't want the horses to get COVID. And you, know, you put the mask on the horse and they can't run as fast. It's just not as fun. So this was the first year. It's back to normal. And one of the greatest things happened. The winner of the Kentucky Derby is a horse whose name is Rich Strike. Here's the winner. And here is the call. Play the Kentucky Derby clip, Willard. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandin. These two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter Sandin. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my 
Rich Strike is the longest shot, 80 to 1 odds. Nobody thought this horse was going to win, and he wins. And when you hear that clip, at the beginning of that clip, Rich Strike is in about 17th place. He is way behind. There's only 20 horses. He's way behind, 21 horses, I think. He's way behind, and he doesn't have a chance. He's behind all these other horses. There's all kinds of traffic, and it's at the last stretch. Nobody wins when they're that far back, except in the movies. Right. And either then somebody's cheating and they there's some kind of drugged horse or that's, uh, you know, a fantasy story, black stallion, those kinds of stories. Great stories. Right. And in real life, this this happens. Did you watch that? If you if you go online later after our program and you check it out, make sure you take a look at the overhead view, the overhead view, NBC Sports. If you go to NBC Sports's website, they've got an overhead view, a drone or something where they they show you where this horse was rich strike at the very end almost in last place at the beginning of the clip, and then how he wins at the last second, so much that the the announcer doesn't even say his name the entire race until right then at the very end. And, you know, it's super exciting. It's exciting because the owners, you know, they never won anything. You know, I think that they won some kind of, you know, you know horse event at uh, their daughter's junior high, you know, somewhere. That's all they had ever won. And they win the Kentucky Derby. I love stories like this, but what I really like about it, what I really thought was great, is this horse really had no chance, no chance to win. He's way behind. He's other people. He's 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 other people. He's he's just way behind. This horse did something funny too. If you look at another angle of it, as he's passing horses, this horse looks at the other horses. He turns his head. You know, they always have these. And I don't know a lot about horse racing or stuff, but in the races, they have these these. I don't know, these things they put on the eyes of the horse, you know, the horse's eyes are kind of on the side of the head, and they put these things on the side that focus the horse's vision straight ahead so they can't see to the side. I think it prevents them from getting spooked, keeps them, you know, paying attention. Maybe they see some popcorn or an apple in the crowd and they get distracted. They don't want to do that. They want to go straight. This horse turns its head and looks at the other horses while he's passing them. Almost this mocking glance, like he's saying, oh, yeah, huh? And he goes right past him and right into the lead, and he wins. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I hope there's no controversy. I think there's a movie in there somewhere. Now, I tell you all that because I tell you this. Do you ever feel like in your life that you're just way far behind, and you got some, and you have no hope? Everybody's crowded in front of you. You can't get ahead. You can't get a break. You're, you're just maybe even happy to even be in the race, but uh, you, know, you don't think there's any chance for you. And then all of a sudden, God opens up doors. All of a sudden, when you have no chance and nobody's ever done it, God opens up doors. Can I encourage you with this? And maybe you have a story. You're listening to, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation. Tell us your thoughts about this horse race or maybe an opportunity that you've had in your life where you thought you were just too busy, too far behind, and God opened up some doors for you to run through, and you persevered. And you did that. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. There are times in our life when we just feel like we're buried. I've been there. And maybe we get really discouraged. I've been there too. And the last couple of years, we've dealt with sickness. We've dealt with all kinds of things piled on top. Our politics are crazy. The, the news is full of war and bad economics and bad gas and all kinds of different things happening. And then you have to deal with whatever's happening in your own life, what's happening with your family, what your challenges are. There is a opportunity, I think, in all of our life to take a, take a break 
and to trust God for what he wants to do, to focus on the right things. And you know what? God, when you're focused on what God wants you to do, when your concerns are really the things that Jesus is concerned about, you know, you have stuff in your life that gets in the way. And the Bible understands that, by the way. The Bible, you know, First Corinthians, when Paul is talking about marriage and why he thinks you ought to stay single and this and that, that's hardly relevant to most people because most of us want to get married and we have desires and we have passions and we have a, a feeling where we want to get married. He's trying to say, don't get married because if you get married, you're going to have to have your spouse and you've got your spouse has needs and you're going to have kids and you've got to have a job. You got to, and it's distraction from maybe what you are, uh, what you could do if you weren't married following the Lord. Now, Paul will say, this isn't for most people. And if you're burning with passion, you need to get married so that you don't sin. And that's kind of where most people are, but not all of you. But there is a point here about life is that the doors, and I've seen this as a pastor before, the doors for you in life tend to open up as soon as you realize that you're living in the kingdom of God, that you are living in a place where God has called you to do something. And he's calling you to repent. He's calling you to trust him with your life. But when you do that, that's when you start to see the hope. And if you're living your life and you're running the race and you're running as hard as you can, and all you see is the back end of horses all the time. That's your view. Maybe you should take a little moment and trust the Lord for what he has to say. The Bible has a lot to say about hope. Romans chapter 5, verse 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Can I help you abound in hope today? That's one of the things that we want to do in our program. When I look at the news and I'm going to respond to different things and I see the protests at Supreme Court justices' houses and and some uh, pro-life clinic gets burned up and the politicians yelling and then I see uh, the inflation rate, the price of everything going up, real scary news coming out of Russia and the war and all of that, and the economic news that's hitting all of us. You know what? There is a time in your life, if you're just feeling like all you see is back end of horse, trust the Lord. He is the God of hope. Is he the God of your hope? When you realize this, he will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It's about believing. And then it says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Two things that I want to leave you with here. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. All right, what God does for you through his Holy Spirit is he's not saying to you, you need to win this race and you need to find the strategy to uh, get against the rail and move those other horses out of the way and find your way to the front. And uh, you just figure that out and I'm going to put odds on you and uh, I'm going to bet against you or have most people bet against. That's not it. What it is is you have a race to run that's for you. And it's different than all the other horses. Some, some people are going to be in front. Some people are on a team. But there is something for you where what God does supernaturally is he opens up a corridor for you to run through. He opens up a door for you to run through. And wherever that takes you, he says that so that you may abound in hope. Abound in hope. That means lots of hope. There is a lot of hope. Do not let the world get you down. Do not let your current circumstances get you down. Trust the Lord with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
Love the people that God has placed in your life. Realize that wherever you are, you're a disciple maker. And if you're saying to yourself, oh, I don't deserve that. I'm loaded with sin and I've done all kinds of stuff. And if, you know, if God only knew, well, he does know. And Jesus died for you anyway. And, you know, he wants you to, to give that to him. And then he wants to use you. He's using Paul to write that. Paul's the greatest sinner of all time. He used to murder Christians. How many of you are murderers of Christians? Raise your hand. Okay, now put it back on the steering wheel. Probably none of you. Most of you anyway. And yet God can still use you. When you look at the news today, when you hear the stuff, when you just realize it's a Monday, when you know you've got circumstances going on, would you put your hope in God and say this, God, give me your supernatural help. It's not all up to you. He's going to come alongside you. He sends his spirit. These are the promises of God. And believing is what God asks you to do. Trust in him. You know what? He will open up the lanes for you. You might just find yourself like this horse, Rich Strike, and coming out of nowhere and doing something amazing that God wants you to do. Anyway, just some thoughts as we begin our week, and we want to be a place that gives you a lot of hope, even though though there's so many uh, issues that might take that hope away. You know, one of the things that I want to encourage you to do, there's still some time for your pastor or your church staff to go to the appreciation breakfast uh, that is Thursday, May 12th at the Anaheim Hyatt Regency. And if you go to kkla.com, you can click on that. If you work for a church or you, know you're, or you want to send this to a church worker or a first responder, police officer, paramedic, firefighter, you know, this is an opportunity just to have a moment to be encouraged, to have a moment to get together with other people who are going through what you're going through, other people who can encourage you, other people who you can encourage. I want to encourage you to go. There's still time to do that. In Los Angeles, it's Thursday, May 12th at 8.30 a.m. You can go to kkla.com, click the banner. Um, great speaker, great worship, great food. I'm going to be there. I'd love to meet you if you are there. It is Thursday, May 12th. Go to kkla.com, find the banner right there. The San Diego version is Wednesday, May 11th, and it opens at 8.30. Uh, Actually, the doors open at 8 o'clock, a little earlier in San Diego. Go to kprz.com if you're in San Diego for the same thing. Click on that banner and invite your pastor, your first responder friend. And if you're going, pastors or church leaders, you can invite friends to come along with you to be encouraged. This is something that we get to do together, encourage each other. This is something we get to do together to remind ourselves that we have a greater purpose, that if you're a follower of Jesus, your best days are always ahead, and you're going to win the race because Jesus won the race in front of you. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. I'm Scott Furl. We'll be back with your Monday edition of SoCal Live in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I wanted to talk about hope a little bit uh, this hour because there's so much out there that's uh, not really you know, full of hope. And we need to talk about those things, and we will. But we want to look at it from the, the standpoint of we actually can make things better. You know what happened in that horse race we were talking about before the break, the Kentucky Derby, and Rich Strike comes from behind and wins. I read a bunch of analysis of that race and, you know, kind of the the strategic whys this happened. And what they say is that the interesting thing is that the first leg of the race was the fastest Kentucky Derby ever as far as that group of horses. 
And what ultimately happened is the horses that were out in the front who just sprinted out to the fastest time ever could not maintain that pace. And so some of the horses in the back, including Rich Strike, were well behind the pace. Rich Strike did two things in that race that that won for him. Number one, he was way behind and didn't start out with this record-setting pace. So the horses stretched out in a greater way than than normal. Well, those horses in the front burned out. They got tired. And they're still running. You know, they're running faster than I can run. But they are tired. And then Rich Strike still had a bunch of energy at the end. And he was able to pull ahead. But the other thing that he did was he ran close to the rail most of the time. Only at the very end did he move away from the rail in order to sort of move around and maneuver around some horses. And the thing that he did then was because he's running by the rail, it's just the math. He's actually running a shorter distance than horses that are running farther away from the rail. And that makes sense. If you're close enough to the rail, if you picture that, if you're close enough to the rail, the actual distance that you're running to get around the track is less. And if you're further away, the distance that you're running is greater. So one of the goals is to run closer to the rail. And he he did that. He was successful. And that's a thought that I've had for our life. You know, if you're feeling like you're just behind and you're busy and you're really busy, you know what you got to do? You got to pace yourself and try not to worry about it. Your opportunities come. And the people who burn out the fastest are people who are just going and going and going and going. And eventually you get to a place where you just can't do it anymore. Have you been there? I've been there. I've been there in the, in a place of burnout where you just feel like I don't even, you know, this is just not working anymore and I know what to do, but I don't have the energy to do it. And, you know, if you're feeling like you're in a place in your life where you just don't have that hope, pace yourself, figure out what it is that you can do and what you can do well and try to drop off other things, run close to the rail if you can. So you're not taking too many steps outside to make the race longer and do that. You'll find that the, the winner's, in lots of different things in life are the people who pull ahead are people who take their time and they pace themselves. They don't overspend. They get enough sleep. Do you go to bed at the right time? That's one of the greatest things you can do to help deal with lots in your life, with stress, with weight, with anxiety, with lots of things. It's, it's go to bed. Go to bed when you're tired. Go to bed at the same time. Get up early. Do something in the morning that's meaningful that you look forward to. You know, I look forward to the morning coffee. I like that smell to get up. I look forward to the coffee all day long, so maybe that doesn't count. But get up. Have yourself a little time with the Lord. And you know what? It's hard when you got kids at home because they're up. But get up before them. The trouble is, is that you got to go to bed about their time. I think that's where I have the biggest problem is my kids, they finally get in bed, you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And that's when I used to be able to, you know, I got two or three hours. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to get some work done. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to just do whatever. And, uh, you know, now about 8 o'clock, I'm dying. I'm ready for the kids to put me to bed. But I found if I actually go to bed at a reasonable time, you know, if you go to bed at 9.30 or 10, yeah, you might miss some of your favorite TV shows and you don't get to uh, do a bunch on Netflix, but that might be what's, what's causing a lot of your trouble. Get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and see what God does, what kind of energy you have, what kind of work you can get done. That's, that's my thought. Maybe you've got some other thoughts about how to deal with the busyness in life. 888-528-2557 is the number. If you have some thoughts you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. That is the number. All right, I want to move on to a couple other things. One of the things, too, with all of the different things in the news that we should – talk about. Something I want to point out, just keep in mind, 
there are there's a whole world that is dealing with the trouble of the COVID, the trouble of uh, supply chain problems, and for some people, it's not they can't go get a new car; it's they don't have any food. World hunger, did you know this, has exploded twenty five percent spike uh, since before the Ukraine war. So just in the last uh, two months, world hunger that was already a big deal, 25% spike in food. They call it food insecurity now. It just seems like we, we change words. Isn't it hunger? Isn't it better to say extreme poverty? What happened to that? Is that too hard to understand, extreme poverty? Now we say food insecurity. And it seems, you know, food insecurity, I think that there might be people in our community who have food insecurity. You're not too sure where your next meal is coming from, and I know you're going through that. But a big part of the world doesn't know if there's any food at all. You will probably eat in our country if you have food insecurity, uh, if you are not completely homeless and struggling to find the help. Most people you will eat. But there are people around the world who will not eat at all. About 193 million people across 53 countries or territories um, suffered acute food insecurity, meaning that their lack of meals proposed an immediate threat to their lives or livelihoods. I, I don't like the food insecurity. I think it's too, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't sound like starving. What happened to the word starving? Can't we say starving anymore? Was that too hard? People are starving. Is there something politically incorrect about why do we do this? Why do we kill the words? Why can't we say there are 50, there are 193 million people in 53 countries who are starving in 2021, starving, meaning they, they're going to die. They're not starving. Like, you know, my, my 10 year old says, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, but dad, I'm starving. No, you're not starving. Go have a granola bar, you know, go have a banana. There's plenty of food, you know, can I have a cupcake? No, you can have a cupcake, but you can have, you know, an apple, go eat that. Not a red delicious apple because they're not that good. <laughs> Somebody's going to be upset with me for that. Just There's, a, there's, a, there's like 4,000 different varieties of apples. Some of them are better. I have the luxury of saying that in our country. You have the luxury of saying that if you're listening to this most likely. You can probably go get yourself an apple. There are 193 million people in the world who cannot. They just simply can't. There's no supermarket. There's no place to go. There's no 7-Eleven. There's no farmer's market. It is tough. It is in a way that we cannot even understand. Uh, and that is up. And uh, that's something else to put things in perspective. In a couple of weeks, we will be talking about some ways that we can help right here from our program. There are ways that your church can be involved. And you know, this is it's just another thing that if you're finding yourself busy and overwhelmed with life, you know, God has prepared good things for us to do. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. It isn't that he wants them to be poor. It's a condition of the fallen world that we live in. What he's telling us is that there is always going to be something for us to do. There is always going to be people to take care of. There are always people who need the church to participate, to be involved. Uh, would you think about that as we think about some other things? And what's happening in Ukraine is a big deal. It is affecting the the wheat of most of the world, uh, about 25%, I think, of our wheat. And we're having some shortages. Are we having food shortages in our country? I keep seeing uh, baby formula shortages. Are you experiencing that? What other shortages? I have been noticing recently a lot of empty shelves, mostly of stuff I don't buy, so I don't know for sure what it is. I've just noticed empty shelves. 
uh, in the supermarket again. Is it supply chain or is there a greater problem? 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, this is Southern California Live. Monday, May 9th edition, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com is the number or the email address. If you can't get to your phone, and we understand that, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. So in your church or in your mission that you're thinking about, would you think about the fact that there are there's a lot of big things coming? And the way we have to look at it is not in a hopeless way, not in a way where we're going to be more afraid, but in a way where we can actually realize, hey, we've got a lot of things that we can do. You and me, our audience, your church, our churches together, there are so many things that we are able to do together. This is the call of God. See, this has a lot to do with our hope. This has a lot to do with understanding why we can be hopeful even when things are difficult because we serve the Lord. We serve a Lord who has called us into his ministry. In Colossians chapter 1, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles all the riches are the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have this hope. And you have all of these things that you can do. It's a, it's a really big deal. 888-528-2557 is the number. And uh, you can, we'll go to your calls here in just a minute. So I'm going to go to the break, and uh, we'll come back and take your calls. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. Number is 888-528-2557. We've been talking about a couple of things this hour. One is on just the reasons to have hope and how do we deal with stress when it comes into our lives. And and some of the conversation has been about moving forward and doing what God has called us to do. We started talking about the food shortages around the world, world hunger exploding after the Ukraine war is already going up through the roof after uh, the pandemic as, uh, because of that. And now we are expecting to have, uh, we're talking about starvation, okay? They keep calling it food insecurity, which I don't really like in this, this article that I'm, I'm reading. It's because food insecurity might mean you don't know where your next meal is coming from, but you are going to have a next meal. Uh, and this article really is talking about starvation. Maybe there is no uh, next meal for you, and that's the insecurity that you feel. I don't. Like, I think the word. I think we need a stronger word for that, like starvation, for example. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. David from L.A. Welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, uh, hi. Is that me? Yep. Hi, David. Thanks for holding oh, on. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, I was calling in. You would ask about uh, if it was a uh, distribution problem or if there was. Or yeah, there was actually what... uh, shortages. That's right. I noticed the empty shelves that we're dealing with. So what's what's that up? What's that? What's going on right now with that here? Well, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a, a quite a few fires at food distribution plants in the Midwest, and I've been hearing that there's actually even more than just five now, and it's it's kind of weird. They're all happening at once in, in various different areas. There's yeah, I know that... the fact too that most most people don't know we get a lot of our fertilizer from Russia. Yeah, We're probably not getting that anymore. Right. 
You know, I think, uh, thank you, David, for your call. And I do have an answer for, uh, for that. I've been looking at that. The fertilizer thing and the wheat thing is a big deal, okay, long term. We're going to see an impact globally about that. I don't know how it's going to affect the U.S., but the war is going to affect food in some respect. Uh, lots of the ingredients that we have uh, in foods is affected by that. So uh, that part's true. I've been getting a lot of stories, and people send me you know, their stories about the fires, and I looked them up. One of the things to do, and I think this is something really good for us, what's happening is that there have been some fires recently at food processing plants that have made a lot of news. I keep seeing it in uh, social media, and people sent me all these fires. I think, David, you said that you'd heard about five. There's actually been about 20 20 fires in uh, just the first four months of 2022. And some people are suggesting that the fires are being set deliberately to create food shortages for uh, some uh, nefarious political purpose. But here's the, uh, here's the thing you got to do when you hear this. There's a couple of things that you have to do when you hear these stories and people send them around. And I think this is important for us to, to grasp. The question you have to ask, you got to ask two questions right now. One is, what is the number of fires at food processing plants that normally happens? Is this out of the ordinary or does this happen all the time? The second one you have to ask is, what was it like in 2019? So so during the pandemic, there's a lot of different, uh, the statistics are just messed up because the world was different. People weren't going out. People weren't, uh, you know, the behaviors weren't the same. So a lot of different things are, are there. For example, uh, President Biden's taking a lot of flack today in the news because he keeps saying that uh, he has reduced the deficit by this amount. But what he's not saying is that compared to 2019, he hasn't reduced the deficit at all. And he has reduced the deficit a little bit compared to 2020 when the Trump administration gave everybody in the country thousands of dollars and we overspent by three or four trillion dollars because of the COVID. And a lot of that spending also happened during the first year of the Biden administration, not quite as much. So it was reduced a little bit. And this year it will be a lot less than the previous year. But the reason for that is we're not doing all the emergency COVID spending that we did. And it's not really honest for him to be saying that uh, at all. In fact, uh, somebody on CNN called it Bizarro World. And that's CNN, not Fox. Okay, it's Bizarro World to claim that uh, somehow he's doing something to reduce the deficit when actually it's just we're not doing the COVID spending we were doing. All right, so back to the, the fire thing. But on this story, and a lot of conservative websites and people are putting around this, what was it like in 2019? Is this unusual, 20 fires? Uh, actually, it turns out that it's not unusual. And that's something I think for people to, to recognize. The National Fire Protection Association puts out numbers and statistics. And they say there have been approximately 20 fires at U.S. food processing facilities. A plane crashed into one of them uh, recently. And they say this is not extreme at all and does not signal anything out of the ordinary. And they note that uh, there's a lot of stories, but here's the number. The annual averages of fires that have occurred in the U.S. between 2015 and 2019 at all manufacturing and processing facilities are 5,308. That's a lot. 961 at agricultural facilities, 1,155 at grain or livestock storage, and 35 at refrigerated storage. In 2020, there were... um, 490,500 structure fires in the U.S. and uh, 5,308 occurred in manufacturing and processing plants. And so, you know, when we hear these things, we get them in our social media, we, we send these things out. 
you really to to try to figure out should I be worried about this? You got to look to see well is this normal or not? And that's been the case with a lot of things. I think for for us in our our audience, what I want us to be able to do is not ignore things that are out there because there are certain things that people have claimed that you know turned out to later be maybe true or maybe they are the best argument. Um, COVID was something that escaped from a lab in Wuhan. Well, originally that was fake news and you were banned from Twitter if you posted that. Today, that's a reasonable theory. They can't prove it, but people kind of on all sides think that's possible. So you can't just throw stuff out if it doesn't sound legit or if you got it from some source, but you can do some research. And I would encourage our listeners, and especially those of us who are Christians, to realize that we're living in a time where there is all kinds of incendiary things being sent out, and it's happening on the left and right. And things that, you know, if it sounds like if the government is deliberately or some group burning down, you know, food processing plants because they want to create a food shortage problem for some reason, uh, you know, that's pretty extreme, right? It's that would be that would be time to get the pitchforks out and everybody needs to do this. And it's not a left and right issue. It's a, you know, a horrific, tyrannical thing if that were happening. So when you when you look at this and you realize, well, there are thousands of fires, and actually this year it looks like we're a little bit behind, like there's actually been fewer food processing fire uh, fires this year, um, I think you can let this one go. Uh, I think we do need to take a look at, um, you know, what's going to happen because of the war and all of the, the corn and the wheat and other things. I think it's corn or something that has to do with the corn syrup that gets processed in so many of our foods. Maybe that's not even good for you, but see, and I think that for, for believers, we want to be on the side of truth. We want to, you know, even if we are suspicious of these things, we can hedge a little bit and say, Hey, this is happening. Kind of like you did, David. It's the right way to do it. I think to say, I'm not really sure. I've heard this. I wonder if this is true and we should look at it. And we should do that before we just send it out to so many people and say, this is definitely true. And I got it from bobsgarage.com, which is run by some guy in his underwear in a uh, you know garage in Pacoima uh, who's just making it up. And suddenly it becomes news. Any blogger today, you know, can be can be media. And the way the media does work as far as when it wants to be biased is it will take, you know, bobsgarage.com. I probably shouldn't say it. There probably is a bobsgarage.com. I hope that you like fixed cars and I'm making you money by saying that. I didn't, I just made that up off the top of my head. Um, there are, you know, the media will take the crazy and they'll put it out there as saying, see, this is the mainstream, uh, you know, right-wing thinking. And that's where it causes all kinds of problems. What you have to do is say, no, actually, that's not the mainstream thinking for most people. Most people do not uh suspect those kinds of things. So there's a lot of work to do, but I think it's important and worth, uh, worth some time talking about that. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557. A couple of minutes left, Mark, in uh, Tahunga. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi. Thanks for holding on. Uh, yeah. What's yeah, on your mind? So you, so you had a question about uh, what's out there to give you hope in, yeah. in the midst of all this, all this stuff. Yeah. Well, it uh, doesn't seem like I should have a lot of hope, given what's going on uh, in in my corner of the world right now. Um, my district, uh, the, I, I'm a speech pathologist, and the district that I work for is telling me that they're no longer going to honor my religious exemption for COVID vaccination, so that kind of leaves me out of a job. But 
what what's out there to to give a person hope in in this time? Well, when was the last time you saw a bird that was starving to death, <laughs> or uh, a, a a tree that was naked of leaves, or something like that? If God is feeding the birds of the air and he's he's, clothed, he's clothing the grass of the field, then he's going to do the same for you. Yeah, you're worth so much more than. You're, you're right, and Jesus talks about that in Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And that's something great to hold on to for our hope, even in difficult times. Have you already, uh, Mark, lost your job, or is that something they're threatening? Where are you at in that process? Uh, I don't think they're really threatening. They're hoping that I, I honestly feel like, you know, the district has their hands tied. The, the state has made this decision. They've, they've politicized this vaccine, and the district just has their hands tied, and they're just saying, okay, well, we have to go with what we're told, and we don't want this. We feel bad for you. But, you know, if you're willing to get vaccinated, we, we want you to stay, and if you're not, we totally understand. Yeah. Is there, are you, but are you still working and waiting for them to fire you or have you already been let go or did you already quit? Well, I'm under contract. So, um, pretty much, pretty much it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to work to the end of my contract, but there's like the stipulation is that, well, if you want your contract to renew, you then you have to get back. Yeah. Okay. How long do you have until your contract is gone? Um, June 14th. All right, so that's coming up. All right, you know, Mark, there's a lot of people in your situation. I have some friends who are in exactly the same. Thank you for calling and for and for trust in the Lord. I think that whatever the situation is, and the vaccine one is, you know, hopefully changing. I'm, I think uh, that's going to be an interesting thing if they decide to pull that back. And then they say, uh, and then a bunch of people who have already been let go at different jobs for not getting the vaccine, what are they going to do? Do they get their jobs back? Uh, that's going to be the the big question. But you have to hope in the Lord and do what you uh, believe to be right. And there's a lot of people in your your shoes. I've got friends right now who that's that's where they're at. And uh, you know, I would look at some organizations who are are kind of fighting against the mandate. The religious exemption is complicated, uh, especially if you have other vaccinations. You know, then it's harder to say you have a religious uh, objection. Uh, those things are going to get. You know, those things in the court are going to be really complicated. But there are some other good objections that have more to do with government mandates uh, that I think you can look at. We're out of time for this hour. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. We will be back in just a couple of minutes with hour two of our Monday program. This is Scott Furrow, Monday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.